day. And it's getting cooler. Global warming. We'll talk about that in a minute, though. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yes, we will. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 I don't expect everybody to agree with me. And if you have a disagreement with me, you should give me a buzz. And we'll discuss it civilly. We'll civilly discuss it, you and me. Believe it or not. Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. And, of course, the podcast is available for free on the free Odyssey app. Now then, now then, we've woken up this morning and New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham, her, uh, her constitutional aberration has been halted. A federal judge slapped a temporary restraining order on this huge constitutional overreach. I got an email from Alan Gottlieb, Second Amendment Foundation, when this happened. He, he sent me, a federal judge has granted a temporary restraining order in a Second Amendment Foundation challenge to New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham's September 8th edict suspending the constitutionally protected right to bear arms. This will, The temporary restraining order will extend to October 3rd when a hearing on the preliminary injunction request will be held. That will be prior to the 30-day effect that she put in place. And that it was effective immediately. Uh, they were not alone in this. Uh, the Firearms Policy Coalition was there. A private citizen was there, Zachary Fort. Uh, the New Mexico Shooting Sports Association was there. The National Association for Gun Rights was there. Um, all of them were represented by Jordan George of Aragon Moss George Jenkins, LLP. It was filed in the U.S. District Court for the District of New Mexico. Other defendants are Patrick M. Allen, Cabinet Secretary for the New Mexico Department of Health, James R. Bowie, Cabinet Secretary for the New Mexico Department of Public Safety, and W. Troy Weisler, Chief of the New Mexico State Police. So that coming from Allen. Now, the interesting part about this, Gun Owners of America was also there. There, Everybody was there but the NRA, and that's because, uh, you know, well, they got issues. This was her doing the, this was her, she went where they didn't, the gun grabbers didn't want to go here. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. The gun grabbers would love to go here, but they didn't want to go here like this. The whole thing with any of our rights, any single one of our rights is this. They can only take that which we give them. If we don't give it to them, if we don't, if we don't surrender it to them, uh, well, that's a problem. Then they have to try to take it, which, you know, that's where the whole come and take it thing comes from. When you've got a number of Democrats realizing that this was a gigantic misstep, you have lost the tribe. The police chief, the sheriff, the New Mexico attorney general. The New Mexico attorney general would normally defend the governor in this one, but he was not in court. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to defend you, and he, didn't, he, he just didn't go to court. Interestingly enough, the judge, uh, David Urias, he was appointed by Joe Biden. So this restraining order is in place for 14 days. And the key issue is that it's not the law-abiding citizens that are the issue here. 
it's the criminals. When the judge was trying to explain things and be a professional, he was talking to uh, Holly Agajanian, uh, and she's the attorney for the governor's office defending the rule. And uh, they, they, he was trying to like give a lesson to her. <laughs> uh, and he, he was telling her that, you know, the Second Amendment is not something you can suspend. There's, there's no historical analog of that ever happening. This has to all stand up to the Bruin, Bruin standard. Now, the Bruin standard, there's never been a suspension of that. But the governor dug her heels in even as this move is, you know, this is, she's, you know, she's driving a stake in her political career. So, she based this move to declare a public emergency on law-abiding citizens who carry on facts and science, right? So here are some of the things that are facts. It's a fact that criminals will use whatever weapon they can to get their hands, you know. It's, it's a means to an end. And they'll get it illegally because they're criminals and they're not allowed to have most weapons. It is a fact that none of these innocent children were killed by a law-abiding citizen in New Mexico. The ones that she cited as a reason for doing that. It is a fact that destroying the First and Second Amendment right won't make any of the communities safer. She tried to do with this what they did with COVID, which, which you know, basically just locked us into our houses. And she, she did this even as she said, we, we know the criminal is going to ignore this. And Holly, well, Holly... Didn't do them any favors either, Akajanian. She said, uh, this is what she said. She said, a carry ban is constitutional because no one can predict when a legal gun owner will commit crimes. <laughs> Which, <clears throat> in, a, in on its face, that's true. Unfortunately, uh, the historical precedent is that, you know, they're pretty law-abiding people and they don't do those things. The ban is only for sensitive places, and if someone wants to buy a gun, they still can. They just got to carry it somewhere else. Another one of her little arguments. And uh, on Twitter, the governor's lawyer says, Bruin leaves more questions than answers. No, it doesn't. It closes a whole lot of doors. Thomas was very good with this. Another one, the governor's lawyer is starting to raise her voice, saying the governor thinks the Second Amendment doesn't trump people's right to walk down the street. Says the judge should wait 30 days to see if the order reduces crime. I'm sure she's... She, she, the governor got up there and she went on Twitter. Today, a judge temporarily blocked sections out of our public health order, but recognized the significant problem of gun violence in the state. I refuse to be resigned to the status quo, and I will never stop fighting to prevent other families from enduring these tragedies. And then, you know, doing this means that you're putting law enforcement at risk. This is not me trying to be, you know, revolutionary or something. Uh, the rights are the rights. The Bill of Rights, the Constitution, they're in place. They, all of these rights existed without us ever having a government or a Constitution or a Declaration of Independence. We hold that these were things we were born with. And just because they get out there and try to say there's none, none of this or none of that, that doesn't make it so. So when you get out there and you try to enforce an unconstitutional order, some some rule or something. That's another thing they said. Well, it's a rule. It's not a law. So we can do what we want. 
Now, I, I, I'm trying to sit here and be reasonable about this, right? But at the same time, I can't help but think, um, I can't help but think and wonder, was this strategic to see how the reactions go? Because I, I fully believe the whole COVID thing in a lot of cases. After we got past the fact that we weren't all going to die from it, which was about probably clinically about 10 days in. I'll say 10 days into it. They probably knew what was going to happen as far as that goes. And they probably knew it was basically the flu with a different spelling. But they, they decided to do the, the whole lockdown thing, I think, to see how we would react. They decided to do the whole masking thing. I mean, what does a mask... Masks are not effective against anything, right? But what it does do is it makes us all look alike, doesn't it? Except for those of you that have the big ZZ Top beards who wear a mask anyway, which I hate to tell you this. I understand what you're trying to do and everything, but why you got a beard? That's just not going to work. <laughs> so if you're doing something ineffective and it's not constitutional and you know it's not going to work, it has to be an experiment, right? This will this will bear watching. Right now, the Democrats are in shock because the Republicans are getting ready to impeach their president using their rules. The Democrats' rules. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Um, right now, the Democrats are shocked because the Republicans are following the precedent that Nancy Pelosi set when it comes to the, an impeachment inquiry. And we're, I don't know where this is coming from. Who, who, put, who put this out there? I don't know. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries ripped Speaker Kevin McCarthy's announcement that the House will pursue an impeachment inquiry into President Biden, describing the probe as a kangaroo court fishing expedition and conspiracy theater rolled into one. The comment, which came during a press conference alongside House Minority Whip uh, Catherine Clark and House Democratic Caucus Chairman Pete Aguilar, came hours after McCarthy in a public statement directed House committees to open a formal impeachment inquiry into Biden. The announcement capped weeks of speculation regarding whether the House GOP conference would go down the path of an impeachment, which the Democrats in the White House have vehemently opposed. Jeffrey said Tuesday, there's not a shred of evidence that President Joe Biden is engaged in wrongdoing. There's not a shred of evidence that President Joe Biden has committed a crime. They also criticized McCarthy for not holding a vote to launch the impeachment inquiry. As he said he would earlier this month, and he said that if we move forward with an impeachment inquiry, it would occur through a vote on the floor of the People's House and not through a declaration by one purpose. Clark said on Tuesday he vowed to hold a vote for an inquiry, but the leaders of the MAGA Republican Conference are not here to serve the American people or improve their lives or brighten their future. There's no agenda. Well, you know what? Nancy Pelosi opened up an impeachment inquiry into Donald Trump without a vote. 
and the Democrats applauded. Kevin McCarthy said something, and then he changed his mind. And then he did what Pelosi did, and the Democrats are having a temper tantrum now. So I guess I guess the message they're sending to to the speaker is that, well, you know, the new president was only meant to make our lives easier. You weren't supposed to do it. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Democrats, you break it, you bought it. Former judge, uh, former George W. Bush speechwriter Mark Thiessen said, uh, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats set the precedent here. Let's put aside the merits of this impeachment inquiry for a second. What did Democrats think was going to happen? I'll tell you exactly what they thought was going to happen. They thought the Republicans were going to get out here and say, well, this is not what we do. This is not the way we do things. We're not going to stoop to that level. Now, Pelosi and her party overtly and overly abused all kinds of things for years as a means of attacking their chief opponent, which is Trump. Thiessen asked, all these things they've done, do they think that there was not going to be any blowback? Do they think the Republicans were not going to turn around and say, okay, you set the president, we're going to use these all these tools against you? We get this from Twitter. Here's the pattern. Democrats make unprecedented rule change. Republicans warn of consequences if Democrats lose. Democrats lose. Republicans operate under new rule. Democrats complain. Media dutifully screams hypocrisy. Now, the case to impeach Joe Biden is not going to result in a conviction from the current Senate. But the case to impeach him is more than damaging. It has the potential to blow up the entire Biden family business since there are a whole lot of people in the net that Hunter and Joe have spent time weaving over the course of a lot of years. And don't think that somebody's eventually going to throw Joe straight under the bus to save themselves. You think Hallie Biden, Bo's widow, Hunter's ex-lover and mother of two of Joe's grandchildren, that he has not since their births who got money transfer her that can be traced back to foreign countries would go to jail to protect the big guy? He's got a lot of weak links in their chain there. And Democrats went into the Trump administration looking for an excuse to sick him with impeachment. We knew that from day one. They wanted to impeach him 19 minutes after he was inaugurated. On January 20, 2017, what's this? In the Washington Post, there was a headline. The campaign to impeach President Trump has begun. Now, I am not one for getting into the political process and saying, okay, let's do a little tit for tat. But there's, it's very hard to not admit to anybody that Joe Biden has abused his power as president like student loan forgiveness and eviction moratoriums. And the Supreme Court slapped him down both times. And if Donald Trump had done anything that unilateral to advance a conservative goal, Democrats would have had a stroke. We wouldn't have any of them right now. The money that Hunter spent years collecting from foreign actors for his benefit and the family's benefit, 
And we, we can prove that because we got the bank transfers. Let's see what we got in the chat line. <laughs> somebody's, on, somebody's on the chat line going, hey, man, how much weight have you lost? George, I don't really remember. Anyway, back to back to old gropey Joe. The White House story has evolved as all of this has come out. It started out with Hunter never made money in China. Well, then they said, well, what about this money and this money and this money and this money? Oh, well, Joe never talked about business with Hunter. What about this phone call with Hunter and Joe and this phone call with Hunter and Joe and this phone call with Hunter? Oh. Well, Joe was never in business with Hunter. And now the end result is Joe just loves Hunter so much that even if Hunter did something illegal, Joe had no idea because he just loves him, his Hunter. So they're going to they're gonna go the loving father who just couldn't say no to his drug-addicted boy. Which is the narrative they're telling him to push. We're going to talk about another narrative they're trying to get him to push too here in a minute. But Jonathan Turley, he said the New York Times made another valiant effort to extract, extricate Joe Biden from the influence peddling of his son. Times reported that Biden has at times been too deferential to his younger son. That doesn't exonerate him from anything. Getting out there and saying, well, it's just because he loves his boy. Obviously, his boy got him like $5 million. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't love a son that did that for you? Him deferring to his son to sell influence and access is not exculpatory evidence. This is just a scandal imploding on them. And, you know, they want to get out there and say that Hunter is a tragic addict. And, and, and Joe in this tragedy, loved his son despite the tragedy. And they reported that Mr. Hunter, Mr. Biden's uh, devotion to his son means he has long followed that Hunter's lead. So when that takes you to a multi-million dollar influence peddling scheme, this is not a parental problem. This is a public problem. This is, this is not some elder abuse of a conniving son in a nursing home. You know, where you've got your loved one there and they've got a lot of money, but it's sitting there waiting on, uh, waiting on things to happen and stuff. And, but Hey, Democrats, you put this in place. I hope you enjoy it. New Mexico has, uh, they've given us a very important tool in the toolbox to fight everything the left is wanting to do. I mean, every single thing. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. I am, of course, streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Let's talk. 
I'd like to thank the very versatile governor of New Mexico, whose name I hate saying. I mean, I, I mess it up all the time just because it's, it's, I don't, I, I just don't care. But I want to, I want to thank her for being both a communist and a fascist all at once. I fought that. I stood against that. In a country in the 80s, I stood against that, facing it. I actually believe in freedom. But I want you to hear me out here. Uh, she may be a mental midget aspiring dictator with a, some Karen tendencies and some Xanax wishes and some Chardonnay dreams. But this gives us an opportunity that we should take full advantage of. She has decreed that a constitutional right, don't worry about whichever one it is, uh, she has decreed that she can unilaterally decide it's a public health emergency and it just doesn't exist anymore. So here's some decrees for you, Governor Mental Midget. Option one is a free society where there are norms and rules that we will all abide by and our constitutional rights are protected and everybody has the right to participate in their own governance. That one's written down. I had to I, I wanted to get all those details in there. I didn't want to I didn't want to mess them up because it's my favorite option. It's the one I grew up with. It's the one I defended before, you know, I defended America when it was a free country and not some pronoun fixated banana republic. Option two is an authoritarian dictatorship where guys like me are in charge. Not my first choice, but I can live with it. Then option three is the communist dictatorship. And then it's basically break out the rifles, boys. I was never good at being subservient. And at my age, my knees are not going to take that, that constant stooping and taking a knee. From here on out, we're going to call her Paula Pot, Governor Paula Pot. She's made it clear that option one is off the table, so I guess we have to go with option two. The 50th anniversary of Augusto Pinochet overthrowing the communist dictator of Chile. Now, that's not the best idea. I'm still pushing for option one. But freedom, apparently, with her is no longer an option. So option two it is. So let's decree something. The first thing that all the free states need to decree is a ban on the teaching and practice of socialism in any form at all. Those who care nothing about children will immediately pipe up about the alleged right to speak freely. Uh, harm Trump's rights, as colleges and media have taught us. And socialism is harmful. It's violence, literally. We have to prioritize safety for the children. There's no safe space where an ideology of death like socialism is able to be articulated and advanced in public. Free speech is nice, I guess, but it's officially known that no right is absolute. So socialism is clearly hate speech, which is totally a thing in our Constitution, according to sources and experts who you can watch on MSNBC anytime you want to. But not after we ban socialism. Because socialism is hate speech. Not only can we ban it, but we must ban it because it's a public health menace. And when we retake the White House, it won't just be the red governors doing it. We will be able to scratch destroying socialism off of our, our to-do list. It will be totally illegal 
and we can get right on enforcing the ban with the reconstituted FBI, the reformed Department of Justice, and the United States Army Helicopter Corps. Next public health decree, no trans insanity. You got children being mutilated with the chemicals and scalpels to conform their God-given body to the delusions of their Chardonnay sodden manchows and mommies. And that's got to stop. And this, you know, you, you want to know what's bad. It, this is so weird that I have to say this. But castrating a boy so he can more effectively pretend to be a girl harms him. And it is unsafe. So it should be subject to being banned by decree. But why stop it, kids? Let's just ban it all together. If you want to cut up your body because you think you're the other gender, you have a mental problem and not a physical one, and that can be cured by some quack surgeon slicing off you into pieces, you know. Some people will say I'm not being tolerant, and that's okay, because I'm not. We tried tolerance, and we ended up like with men dressed like Charo twerking their bethonged butts in the faces of kindergartners. Thank you so much, Governor Paula Pot, for showing us the way. I saw that the media got their official walking orders on how to report on this, uh, this impeachment. Let's examine that so that we're all on the same page. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. There is no industry on the planet that loves themselves more than Hollywood unless it is journalism. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. I do stream this live on the WORD Facebook page. Both injury, uh, industries are riddled with some of the worst human beings to ever consume oxygen. It's big waste, big waste. And while Hollywood loves themselves, journalism is actually more damaging to the country. I mean, journalism fosters intellectual rot. Hollywood fosters cultural rot. But how bad is the media today? Well, you got NBC News. She, they employ Joy Reid, who's a racist. They give $30 million per year to a crackpot conspiracy theorist like Rachel Maddow. And this is NBC News, not the National Enquirer or the Final Call. And they paid her this because they were afraid she'd get poached, Maddow, poached by another news organization, which they're not news. This is all, this is all opinion. This is all editorial. This made her the highest paid on-air person in MSNBC and probably all of NBC to barely do anything because other outlets wanted her selective out-of-context quotes and very heavily edited video clips put together into a mesh of paranoia, lies, and straight-up bovine excrement. She wins awards for lying to her audience and, you know, so what? How bad has it gotten? Worse than you think, I would say. But it is so bad here now that what has happened is that the Biden White House sent out a letter to the news outlets instructing them on how to respond to the opening of this impeachment investigation into the president. Now, a normal person 
<laughs> Which I know I'm not talking about a normal person. But a normal person would get out there. I, I would be very hesitant to write this because uh, I would think that everybody would take this as sort of a, you know, sort of a reverse psychology sort of ploy. But when you think that the media is all in on your team, well, you can just put this together. You know, you probably have a form letter for this. You just, you know, change the date, sign it. So the CN, so CNN, the CNN, so the CNN reports that the White House plans to send a letter to top U.S. news executives on Wednesday, urging them to intensify their scrutiny of House Republicans after Speaker Kevin McCarthy launched an impeachment inquiry, despite having found no evidence of a crime. So. <laughs> uh, CNN story, which was written by their media reporter, expressed no opinion about how this administration could feel comfortable enough doing this. Right? And it gave orders to media to not report on any investigation objectively. Uh, objectively. And covering impeachment is a process story. So while the government is sort of... Uh, how should I put it? While the government's failing, they want to get out there and they want to tell the journalists how to do their jobs, which right now the way journalists do their job is basically copy and paste. When you get out there and you understand this, uh, this is this is the White House giving them their talking points. They learned how to do this off of something called the journo list. Look that up. Journo with an O list. This is where everybody communicated sort of on the down low on a listserv and uh, they got out there and this is how they coordinated their talking points so this makes it sound if you hear the same lie being repeated in Tacoma that you hear in Tallahassee it probably is going to get you it's probably going to make you think is there something to this because everybody's saying it so journalists should be operators they should be operatives getting in there and seeing something and seeing some little bug poking its head out and saying let me go check this out but they don't do that. They don't do that. And when they have done it recently, like Taby and uh, Schellenberger did, and they're, they're, they're Democrats, they get pulled in by the Democrats, and they try to, uh, you know, make them look bad. Right now, you've got Susanna Gibson, right? A Democrat running for the Virginia State Senate. And she's upset that somebody saw her her account on Chartabate. And they pointed out, well, you have this and you've done this. They pointed out what she's done. And that makes her mad. So they're out there trying to tell people how they should cover this kind of thing. So they're out there right now. CNN is using the newly approved direct qualifier. It used to be no evidence, but then so so much evidence was uncovered the goalpost needed to be moved again and right now it just boils down to this we don't actually have video of joe biden writing love notes to these people he's supposed to have been doing business with and this proves once again that the white house concerns are unfounded the hive mind does not need to be ordered to do something to protect the agenda they're just going to do it Corporate media knows exactly which uniform they put on every morning. And you should never forget it either. It's just a Mao outfit.
C40 Cities. They got plans for you too. They do. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas. <laughs> 